1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina E-Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys. A few hours after Carolina secures its biggest win so far of the season as they took down the Ohio State University 89-84 in overtime. Um, and, buddy, we, we talked about going into the game. That you know, Carolina was playing in New York City, Madison Square Garden. Um, and usually these types of games and that venue bring out the best in both teams, brings out the best in the players, brings out the best in the coaches. and and I think today's game really, you know, showed that 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 statement is is true because you saw, Both teams play at a really high level. You saw both coaches play at a really high level. There was a great energy in the building, despite it being a college basketball games, with two teams that aren't from the state of New York. But they do have fan bases that travel and travel well. And those fan bases were there in the arena. and created a great energy. And, you know, the, the, the tone would have been different if Carolina's comeback would have fallen short had they lost the game in overtime or if Pete Nance doesn't hit the turnaround to force the overtime. But, um, you know, there was a lot of hype, anticipation, buzz entering this game because of where it was being played. And I do feel like that 45 minutes of basketball gaming and about two and a half hours of real time later, this game lived up to the hype and more. And, And luckily and thankfully, Carolina came out on the winning side.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the way to put it lightly is that this game lived up to expectations. I mean, to go into overtime, um, I, I think this just kind of shows that both of these teams, two really good sides. Um, you know, I, I think Carolina is really starting to put it together. I, I like what we saw from them today overall. Um, I think that this was a team that looked like they had learned from what happened to them in. Uh, the Phil Knight Invitational up in Portland. Um, I, I think, you know, you, you go back to that game against Alabama. This game was was pretty reminiscent of that game. A team coming in that could rebound the ball extremely well against you. Uh, they could hurt you across the board with some of the guys that they had out there. And you saw that same sort of, uh, you know, t- team in, in, on Saturday, against Ohio State and Carolina weathered the storm multiple times uh, down 14 at one point in the first half down as many as 10 in the second half And, and Carolina still found a way at the end of the day to pull this one out you had guys that stepped up and made plays when they needed to the biggest shot of the season potentially from Pete Nance in the process I mean this was what you had been looking for for this from this Tar Heel team and now you know, I, I, there, people are probably not going to put a lot of credence into that game against the Citadel, but you now have two wins over power opponents, and the Citadel was the best game that you played the entire season so far. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think Carolina, you, you got to be feeling pretty good about where Carolina is sitting at after this game, which, which I think is is really one of the biggest wins that Carolina's had in a while you know Duke last year was definitely up there but it feels like this one this one was pretty significant because if Carolina drops to five losses out of conference at at this point of the year already still got Michigan coming up um later on this week on Wednesday night there was a chance Carolina could have been looking at seven and six out of conference so I, I I I think it's it's hard to understate just how important of a win this was for the Tar Heels on Saturday afternoon and the fashion in which they did it uh, w- was one that I think definitely raised a lot of heart rates for the majority of the time, but was extremely exciting to watch just in general.
1: Yeah. I think when you look at Huber Davis's first season and a half, he's got signature moments on his coaching resume. No, I mean the four. Of course, the games that first come to mind are the win at Duke and Cameron Indoor, the win over Duke in the Final Four, the the win over Baylor and the and, and UCLA in the NCAA tournament. But I mean, even last year, you had the that home win against Michigan in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That was his first really big signature win as Carolina's head coach. That win uh, at Louisville. Um, last year on the road in just a raucous environment, where Carolina showed so much poise and resilience, and then that win over Syracuse five days before the win over Duke, when everything on the was still on the line for Carolina, and then you got this game right here, which was emotional for him because it was his first time back in the Garden. It was Carolina's first win against a quad one opponent. And it's really important because given the struggles of the ACC once again, there's only five more of those games remaining for Carolina right now, the rest of the way. Um, So you get, you get that, you get a win over a top 25 team. And then I think what it really does is for right now, it, it, it eases the, the questions, the concerns about this team. And it really validates his statement that he was preaching after the four game losing streak that, once they had time to practice, you'd see a better uh, product on the court. And um, and so for that, I, I feel really good for him, for him to have this type of moment back in an arena that um, really defined a lot of his NBA career. And it was really good to see Carolina rise to the occasion and make a lot of plays because, quite frankly, this game wasn't pretty. Carolina was down by nine at halftime. After um, trailing by as many as 34 to 20 in the first half, they would come back and, and get it to within nine at the break, which felt pretty manageable. And, you know, we always talk about in in, in basketball, um, you, you've got the, the middle eight portion, which is the final four minutes of the, the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. Well, Carolina lost the final four minutes of the first. And it made those first four minutes all that more important. But Carolina came out and started the second half on a 10-2 to two run, three and a half minutes into the ball game, and made it a, a, a one-point game. And I think at that point, you're sitting there thinking, okay, Carolina's back in this thing we're in for a dogfight the rest of the way. In truth, yes, but uh, Ohio State would then build the lead back up to um, as many – as 10, it was 60 to 50 at the 10 oh seven mark in the second half. And that was right about the time that you saw Carolina go back to that full court press we saw work so well in the loss at Virginia Tech two weeks ago. Um and and and, and then the law or in the win against Georgia Tech just last weekend. And that really brought a second life to the game. It brought more energy to Carolina brought more energy to the arena and, and Carolina just kept plugging and plugging along um to, to get back within you know, it was a it was a 71 70 game with a minute and 12 to go and then Carolina would take the lead 75 74 with a minute left to go in the ball game roughly under a minute Ohio State would have the ball after leaky ba- after leaky black took a A a, a quick trigger three in the right corner, it would miss. So Carolina, coming out of of, of a timeout, they get caught up in a pick and roll at the top of the key. Zed keys wide open from behind the arc. Bang, Ohio State leads by two. The best thing I liked about from Carolina in this moment was they, they showed some resolve. They showed some maturity. They got to the rim. A shot was missed. And... Armando Baycott was there to clean it up on his way to a, another double-double. We had 28 points, 15 rebounds. So now we're tied 77-77. Ohio State, as you can imagine, runs another pick-and-roll action, milk the clock, and sends the ball, nails a jumper uh, to give them a, 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 a two-point lead with two seconds to go. And I really felt like in that moment, everybody in Tar Heel Nation was defeated um because it's in this in in a in the college game you can you know you can't advance the clock or the ball to, to the half court line and it's really hard to get two, to get, to get something done in 2 seconds but well, this is where Huber Davis taking care of all of his timeouts really comes into play cuz he had two timeouts left and the most important thing was to draw up a good set to get the ball to half court and not lose too much time carolina did that they got the ball to the half-court stripe, and only lost eight-tenths of a second, and they called the second timeout. I'll ask you, before you saw the play that would eventually force the overtime, where did you think the ball should have went and where did you think the ball was going on the ensuing uh, inbound?
0: Well, I mean, I think the most obvious answer was probably Caleb Love. I think a lot of people thought it was going to go to him because that is – it, that's kind of his area where he shined. And look, I, I thought, you know, he, sh- he, he wasn't perfect throughout the day. There's no denying that. But I think in a moment like that, you had seen enough from him in, in, with some of those catch-and-shoot looks that that was probably, that. that was my hope, was you run some screen action and you get him open with a look, you know, probably top of the arc, somewhere around there, and just let him catch and shoot one. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I, I you know, when, once I saw the play getting set up, I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw them first throw the play in, I thought that it was. I thought it was a turnover. I thought it was a bad. I, I thought it was just a bad pass. And it was a perfect play design. I, I thought that was outstanding. It's the best one that we've seen so far this year. Because one of the issues that we had in that game against Alabama. Was there just wasn't really any creativity uh, w- with what the staff was drawing up coming out of timeouts. This one was very re- really you got to give them credit on both of them because they did a great job just to free up. Um, I don't even who who caught the inbounds pass at mid at midcourt. I forget who caught it for Carolina to be able to call timeout, but um, it was a great job just freeing up uh, a guy by using a screen to get it to the the mid-court stripe, lose only eight-tenths of a second, and eventually set up that game-winning shot. So credit in both of those situations to the staff, to the players for executing it and ultimately sending the game to overtime. And then, I mean, look, I got to tell you, when I saw Pete Nance catch the ball, I was pretty confident that he was going to make that shot cuz we've seen him take that shot a few times this year and he he's hit it. That's one of those shots you, you look at guys that have had signature sh- shots in Carolina history. Um you know Tyler Zeller with with the with the hook shot. Um there you know there there are a lot of other guys but that there's there are certain shots that you just feel confident guys can hit. And I I felt like when he caught that ball, he was in the perfect position. He did a great job and just gets it off in time. What a huge shot from Pete Nance, who had a chance to hit some bigger ones earlier in the game that probably could have put it away a little bit easier. But, man, for him to hit that shot and to send the game to overtime was just massive.
1: Yeah, and, and, and the play that was drawn up that would force overtime, that play was drawn up by lead assistant Jeff Lebo, and it was a play and it was a a, a call design that Carolina hasn't ran at all this year. um. So that was a, a first time for everything right there. and And Pete Nance, because he likes to prove me wrong, made a tough jump shot after missing a lot of easy looks from behind the three-point line and such throughout the game. And it was – it was just really good execution by Carolina, um, and it, it shows that not only did the players learn from that four overtime defeat against Alabama earlier in the in in, in the year, so did Hubert Davis and his coaching staff. And I think it felt like you know once the game got into overtime, that it was going to be hard to see Carolina you know losing the game. Um, just because of the way that, you know, momentum, if you believe in such a thing, and all that stuff carried over. And and that's effectively what what happened was Carolina's defense continued um, as they held Ohio State to just five points in the extra period. And Carolina pulled away for an 89-84 victory. Let's take a look at the box score here. Carolina was 32 with 72 from the field for 44%. Ohio State was 34 of 74, so they shot uh, 46%. The Heels were just 6 of 28 from 3, so they they cooled off after what they did against the Citadel earlier in the week. Uh, meanwhile, Ohio State was 9 of 24. A big difference, though, in the game, the Heels 19 of 27 from the foul line. Um, that's 70%. Ohio State was just 7 of 14, which is just 50%, so Carolina plus 12 at the charity stripe. Believe it or not, just 13 turnovers for Carolina in this game. It felt like more. And Ohio State only scored 12 points off of those turnovers. Meanwhile, 16 turnovers for the Buckeyes, and Carolina converted those into 27 points. So Carolina was plus 15 in that category. And another stat that really blew my mind, Carolina won the rebounding margin 48-42, to after they were down as early 15 to six in the rebounding category. Um, But when you have Nance or when you have Baycott with 15 and Nance with 10 and RJ with eight, you could see how Carolina was able to make up the deficit 32 defensive rebounds. So 12 more than what Ohio state allows on average entering the game. Um, Carolina 16 offensive rebounds, 14 second chance points, Ohio state, 14 offensive rebounds but just nine second chance points. Uh bench points 11 to 3 in favor of the Buckeyes. Uh, points in the paint 44 38 Carolina. Fast break points 9 to 8 Carolina. Um Ohio State did have three blocks compared to Carolina's two. They had eight steals compared to Carolina's seven. Uh but with Carol- Carolina had 20 assists on 32 made baskets. Meanwhile, Ohio State was 17 assists on their 34 made baskets. There were four times that the game was tied, the, uh, and the, the game was tied for three minutes and three seconds. There were five different lead changes. Ultimately, Carolina led for just nine minutes and 30 seconds, but the 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 last few minutes that they led were the minutes that mattered the most. Let's move on now to the quote of the game, which – Usually involves the head coach of the Tar Heels, Hubert Davis. But this one, this one has to be Hubert, uh, this one has to be Armando Baycott, excuse me, as he met with Jenny Dell, the CBS sideline reporter. And here's what he had to say about battling back and leading Carolina to this victory over Ohio State today.
0: All right. So you're trailing most of this game. What did you learn about the fight of this team to be able to have that comeback win?
1: I mean, we just had to fight early in the first half. They punked us, and that was Coach message to us at halftime. We just had to fight. We were soft, but I mean, at some point, we got to draw the line, and I feel like today we drew that line.
0: You've been dealing with an injured shoulder. You told me you're about 70%. Where do you find that within you to be the spark of this team?
1: My love for North Carolina. I mean, I love this school. I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school. I really would.
0: Congratulations on your first win at Madison Square Garden.
1: I, uh... I put a tweet out and uh it's gotten a little bit of traction. If you don't follow me on Twitter, um you can follow me on Twitter at htb underscore Josh, but what um, a shameless plug. My God. I, I said that uh I said that Armando Baycott saying he would die for UNC is the type of love for Carolina I wish every player had. And um it's 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 really like, is not going to happen, not in this day and age, not with the way that Carolina recruits. You're not going to have guys that are going to stay here for four years. But one thing that when Huber Davis got the job that he really sold me on was wanting his guys to have two feet in and be a part of Carolina, not just a part of the basketball program, but be a part of the university, be a part of the community, and, and there hasn't been a player that's come through Carolina basketball that has exemplified that more than Armando Baycott has. And he's probably the second most, tar- most, most thoughtful Tar Heel that comes to mind when I think about their love for Carolina. Right there with Aaron Matson, who is just, you know, she's leaving Chapel Hill. She, she's graduating um, this month. As you know, as an all-time legend. She's a Mount Rushmore Carolina uh, sports figure. Um, but and, and Armando Baycott is right there. And I think that's something that I'm starting to cherish about him and about this way that that Hubert Davis is running his program. Is that when this team was handed over to him, this wasn't a team that we thought loved Carolina. This wasn't a team that you know, you thought embodied what it meant to be a Tar Heel, and they 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 became that last year, and they're they're continuing that this year because I I do think a lot of it today was their love and and their passion for one another carried them to the victory, and not to say that Ohio State doesn't have that because to to be the type of team that Ohio State is you have to, but this is what separates Carolina basketball from virtually every other sports program there is in the country because there's just something different. And a lot of people want to say that it's a made up, that it that it doesn't, it's not real, it doesn't exist. You had a player who's an All-American candidate, say on national television, he's willing to die for this place because of how much it's meant to him. And whether he was exaggerating or not, I don't, I, in all honesty, I don't think he, he is. That just goes to to show you once again, just how just how special Carolina basketball is. and you know, whenever he said those words, just the faintest smile came across this fa- my face, because there's nothing I love more than than seeing a great basketball player tell you know his fan base and his program how thankful he is to go out there and do what he does on the basketball court
0: yeah no, I mean it was it was an amazing quote to be honest with you, especially I mean, you talk about this day and age, yeah, I mean, you don't feel well we we've heard many people say that they don't feel the connection to players that they used to that they feel like Nil as has really um you know put put a wrench in 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 that aspect of college sports um and I think you know a lot of people question this even with Armando this season when he got off to the slow start they there were plenty of people that said look does it have to do with the nil stuff it's uh, which is just ridiculous because he's shown multiple times you know through stuff that he has done even during the off season that that is without a doubt not the case um and for him I, i don't even think it's a love of just the basketball program it's a love of the school as a whole i mean you see how involved he is you know with with recruits on the football side of things with going to you know other other sporting events on campus religiously this is this is what it means to be a a member of the Tar Heel family not just a Tar Heel athlete because there are guys you know and 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 gals that are on campus they're there to play their sport and they're there to leave and they love being Tar Heels. there's no doubt about that but for some, or, or with Armando, it's just different. For some of them, it just feels different. You mentioned Aaron Madsen, who I think is is probably one that um, will, will last for a, a while. I don't think she's going to be, you know, her legacy is going to be around Toriel Athletics for a long time as it is, but she is not somebody that seems like she will be disconnecting herself from the university at all. And that's what's different is that, you know, for some schools, it's people that come back once or twice a year, maybe. For Carolina, you got people that they they any chance that they get, they will come back to campus. So, uh, and and he feels like that type of guy. Um, and this is, you know, uh, again, not everybody is going to have that same mindset. Not everybody's going to go on television and say that. But um, I, I think, yeah, today you saw a team that played, you know, for to together played for their head coach because I think as we said in the pre when we were previewing this game that this game meant a lot to Hubert Davis if you ask him in the post game he's not going to say look this game meant more than the other games whatever he's just not going to say that because you you don't say that as a head coach every game means a lot but for him to to come back to New York it, it was a big deal For R.J. Davis to play in Madison Square Garden, it was a big deal. So you saw guys step up around their teammates, and I think they also knew how big of a game this was for this season. And, you know, when when it comes to Carolina basketball, in terms of the program, every season is important for – tar heel basketball you never want to have an off season and especially a year like this year where the preseason expectations were so high for them to come out and play the way that they did I think that that quote in the post game just embodies what a lot of guys I think were feeling but Armando Baycott no doubt about it is a special special player that just understands what it what it means to be a a tar you know a tar heel basketball legend
1: Given um the players that Armando baycott has helped recruit to Tar Heel football, I do sincerely sincerely hope he does not uh, envision a career in recruiting, but he 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 is he has as involved with Carolina as as any as any athlete at that university is. And um he will be the example that Huber Davis will use. Moving forward on the recruiting trail, when he talks about when I want you here, I want your bags unpacked, I want two feet in, and you're all the way in. No matter for how long you're here, um, this is the example that I want you to follow. Uh, let's move to the stat of the game. I um, mean, it it has to be Carolina's rebounding. They they were they win the rebounding margin, forty eight to forty two. As I mentioned earlier, they were lo- they were losing that that margin at one point. 15 to six. So that means that Carolina would out rebound them 42 to 27, the rest of the way. And the biggest reason why is, you know, they, 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 they just showed a level of toughness that they didn't really show in the first half. They competed harder. They fought harder. Um, and to, 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 win that area of the game. And now this team is they've, they've won the rebound and margin three straight games. Um, It was 43-22 against Georgia Tech. It was 47-31 against the Citadel. And tonight it was 48-42 against uh, Ohio State. So not only are they winning rebounding margins, they're rebounding the ball at a really high rate. I mean, you're talking the middle to upper 40s. And that's the type of rebounding stat that you're used to seeing from a Tar Heel basketball team. And just another sign that this team – um, is is improving and they are growing um, as they are still trying to figure out, you know, the, the best version of themselves this season. So um, with this, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts, more takeaways from Carolina's 48-42 win over Ohio State. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Nick fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action – I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings.com. Go go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win, whether you're betting on just a straight up win or how many, you know, 3s Steph Curry is going to have or how many rebound rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have. You can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code TBPN Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any on, on any NBA team to win their game and get a $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys have been taking great advantage of your offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. The first thing I want to dive into is is Carolina's late game execution because I think it was, on the offensive end, as good as it's been, uh, definitely all season long. And some of the best it's even been under Huber Davis because they looked under control. They looked poised. The only shot I didn't think that made sense was when – Leaky Black took that 1-3 in the corner. Given at where it was in the shot clock, Carolina could have really manipulated the rest of the game with the lead at that point. But after that, given the fact that they gave up two buckets on the defensive end, I thought Carolina's offense really responded in a way that you would expect a, an offense with as much experience as Carolina um, has to respond in in, in, in in such a good way. And um, I, I wrote this in the article that you can check out at HeelToughBlog.com. I think what it really did in a lot of different ways, not that it needed any more validation. I, I think it validated why Roy Williams gave Huber Davis the job and why he trusted him a lot more than he trusted himself at that point in time you know, to, 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 to run the, to run the program. I mean, man, we, we heard Roy Williams talk so much the last year, year and a half he was the head coach about that loss against Clemson uh, where the streak of never losing to them at home came to an end. um, And mainly because Carolina didn't foul up three and the Tigers would bang in a three, go on and win the game in overtime. And you, you know, um, there have been some times where Hubert Davis in last year's run to the title game, the Baylor game, the UCLA game, the, the the Duke game, Carolina's execution in late game situations was at a really high level. This year, it started out really good, but it was against subpar opponents. And then against Iowa State and Alabama, Carolina couldn't get the job done. Uh, they were never really in a position late in the game against Indiana to get anything done, Virginia Tech, you know, you were there, but I don't think it was anything. Like I, I think, but Carolina had, had played a losing game up to that point. But then today, I mean, like I said earlier, I don't know how many teams with two seconds to go got to go ninety-four feet to get a basket are tying the game up in that in, in that scenario, and that's exactly what Carolina did. And this should only should build confidence within the players and within the coaching staff that in crunch time, they're going to put them in the best situations to make winning plays.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to find better execution than what Carolina did late in the game um, in this one. I I think if you try to go back and look at it here and it, it just in recent memory, I, I it's this is. This is an area where Hubert Davis and his staff were criticized after the the Iowa state game. Yeah. But I think a, a lot of that was just, you had a guy that was on fire and there was just simply nothing you were able to do about it late in the game, but really that Alabama game, I think there were a lot of concerns with what we saw being drawn out, drawn up coming out of timeouts. Um, and just the overall execution of the team in those overtime periods. But when you were faced with a similar situation today, I thought really the the entire way, they did a really good job. Um, I thought, you know, after Zed Key hits the three to make it 77-75, letting them play that out. Was I, I thought a great move by Hubert Davis, and they get a they, they get a great look inside Armando Baycott with a finish, and all of a sudden you're tied again. So I, I thought Carolina did a really good job down the stretch of executing the way that they needed to, and it really did feel like some of those times in in the middle of Roy's prime with Carolina where you just felt like. Carolina is going to make something happen here, and I thought again we we said it earlier that play coming out of the time out of the second timeout to Pete Nance was about as good as it gets from and for, in terms of an inbound because you you saw how you know even though when, when he took the turnaround jump shot he got it off with 0.1 i mean it was that close so you couldn't there there wasn't a ton that you could really do there even with 1.2 seconds on the clock for them to get that good of a look was just an outstanding job by the staff it was a great job by uh, you know a, a group of players that i don't to, to be honest with you i to that point in the in this year um and really before this this last two game stretch from carolina really hadn't proven that they could execute something like that on the offensive end of the floor this was a a huge step for carolina for this year's team to be able to get this win and and you you have to give the flowers if anybody it's still questioning. And I saw people again today questioning this. I saw somebody when they were when they were down, you know, in early in that uh in that or late in that first half, I should say, uh, questioning Huber Davis and basically saying, I saw someone say Wes Miller needs to be on ice at this point. I, I like I just are we really still at that point? with Hubert Davis where we feel like every game he is coaching for his life because that is just – that that has gotten unbelievably annoying. We talked about it on the last edition of the podcast. It's time to trust this dude. And what they did late in the game should show you that more than anything else. Uh,
1: another reason Carolina was able to come back and, and, and win the ball game – um, was that went to that full court press again. And that was something that we saw a lot of against Georgia Tech. And it yielded positive results. We didn't really see it against the Citadel. And while that doesn't make sense, that was that game's in the past. Um, and look, I think if there was an issue with it today, was that maybe we went it, we waited too long to where it just felt like our last gas. That it was like one of those, like, we're just going to try this and see if it works type of things. But it definitely just breathed the life back into Carolina. Um, it it got Ohio State sped up, and this wasn't a team that looked like they wanted to run for the majority of the game. They were fine playing the pace they wanted to. Well, that kind of forced them to play a lot faster. Um, it took them out of their habitat, and, and it, it just yielded positive results for Carolina to where i am at the point to where this should be a staple of 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 what carolina does in every game um th- th- this should be this should be part of who, of what their identity is and what their identity is still trending towards being um because i haven't really watched it and and not liked what i've seen it got you back in the game against virginia tech on the road with two freshmen on the court Uh, It helped you get your first ACC win at home. And then in this game, it helped you get your first quad one win of the season. And so, um, you know, I I think this is something that is a new wrinkle. It's something that Carolina fans, unless you grew up under watching Coach Smith and Coach Guthridge run this program, you probably haven't seen a whole lot of. This is something that for me as just a general – basketball hoop head and that loves the game. I love this. I love what it can do for for your team on both ends of the court. And I I I want to see I want to see a commitment to this moving forward. I don't want this to be something we're going in, we got a question, hey, are we going to see it? I want this to be something that every time we go in, we know, hey, Carolina's going to full court press. And because of that, they're going to get a turnover and they're going to get a bucket. Or they're gonna get you know three consecutive stops to get in the back end. Well no matter what it is, I want this to start becoming a part of the fabric of who the 2022-23 Tar heels are. Yeah, I, I think you've you've
0: you've got to just because of how effective it's been. And that was my issue with it. I said that to you when we were talking about it, and you actually had brought it up first, but I think we were both thinking at the same time: why didn't Carolina go to this a little bit earlier? We we've seen it multiple times from teams this year where they just go on runs. I mean, especially the Virginia Tech game. That's another game where you kind of ask yourself, you know, why didn't we see it earlier in the game when they were establishing a pretty sizable cushion? Well, it, why would you not then go to that full court press and try to slow them down at least? And and look, they, they tried running the. They, they've tried running this before a few times and usually the reason why they don't stick with it is they don't execute it well. Well this year when they've ran it they've executed it extremely well um you you, you mentioned you saw it against Georgia Tech and it worked out really well. you saw it you know of course against Virginia Tech and it worked out really well. I, I don't think you needed it against the Citadel because you were just playing that well to where you, you didn't really have to pull that out but in this game, you kind of felt like early early on when Ohio State was really establishing a cushion. And and look, part of it was that in order to set up the full court press, you have to make baskets. And that was part of the issue for Carolina earlier in the game. But there were times where you could have used it a little bit early, even if you just threw it out there for a play or two, just to try to slow the momentum of Ohio State. And you know, I think there were times where Carolina just kind of, you know, stayed doing what they were doing and it allowed Ohio State to get some easy baskets, especially late in that first half, where I think Carolina had a chance to go into the locker room down five, maybe even fewer than that, but you let up a couple of baskets late and you go down, you you go in down nine. Though that would have been an area where maybe you get strategic with it and use it there. So I think that's the thing for Huber Davis and his staff. They got to figure out is when can we use this strategically earlier in games? When should we pull it out? Or, I mean, look, is that something that you just save to try to keep people on their toes late in games? Maybe that is something that you feel like is just so effective late in the game. You don't want to give teams too much film to you know go off of. Um, to, to be able to dissect. So maybe you only leave it at the end of games. That That's the thing that I think this coaching staff has to figure out because there's no doubt it's extremely effective when they
1: have utilized it. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't want this to be something that we wait to use. I want it to be something that we're just so daggum good at doing that it doesn't matter when we use it, no matter how much film there is, how much they can prepare for it, they're not going to be able to, to, to achieve the amount of success to make me go away from it. Another thing we got to touch on really quickly. Um, we got to shout out to the, the, the job they did on Zed Key. He entered as Ohio State's leading scorer and rebounder just 11 points four rebounds for him today. He was four of 11 from the field and one costly turnover. He traveled there in the waning seconds that gave Carolina back the ball up three where they would have to foul and RJ Davis would ice the game at the foul line so a really good job on Carolina or by Carolina on Zed Key today this this rebounding today was didn't start off impressive um and, and I was still surprised when I looked at the box score after the game that they won the rebounding margin because it just never felt like they had taken you know they had gotten control of that aspect of the game but you know, I mentioned the stat line earlier that Carolina's won the three the rebounding margin three straight games, and they're they're putting up big rebounding numbers, 43, 44, 48. I I'm I'm not willing to go as far to say that I'm I'm my concerns are lessened because the way they got pushed around the first half or so of t- of today's game. But I, I do think they're trending into that direction of being tougher, of being more blue collar. And the biggest reason why is Pete Nance is now becoming a factor on the boards. He had 10 more rebounds in this game tonight, along with Baycott's 15. And then you're getting the gang rebounding from RJ Davis at eight, Love at uh, four, Leaky Black at six. Your bench guys didn't play a whole lot today, so they not play too much of a factor or not. But it, it, it feels like a lot like last year that they're becoming a better rebounding team. And and Bill Rafferty made a point to today that when, when everyone else rebounds, it makes Armando caught an even better rebounder. And the reason as to why that is is that when everybody else is rebounding, well, now Armando can just stay in position. A lot of times early on in the year when every when guys weren't doing their jobs, it felt like Armando was having to get every rebound. So all of a sudden he's out of position. You give an offensive rebound in a bucket. Well, now he has more trust in Pete Nance to get a board and Leaky Black or Caleb Love to get a board. And so now he can just focus on his matchup and own that board and still put up gaudy rebounding numbers. And I think that's going to be something that if if Carolina can really start, you know, turning the uh, turning the the corner and becoming a, a more complete rebounding team, Um and, and they rebounded they or they just got rebounded a really good team today in Ohio State. That's really going to vault them to a different level. I mean, Huber Davis said in his post game with with a Jones Angel today, that is that is a birth you know that is a birthmark. That's a st- or a, a hallmark. Of this program. It's in their DNA. And for some reason, we don't know what that reason is. They did enter the season with that type of, you know, enthusiasm in that department, but they're getting there. And when Carolina becomes a really good rebounding team, that's usually when they become one of the, one of the better teams in all of college basketball.
0: Yeah. And look, it's no small feat what they did today. This was probably the second best rebounding team that Carolina had faced the entire season, only topped by uh, that Alabama team that Carolina saw. And look, for the most part, Carolina held their own in that game against Alabama on the glass. But when it mattered the most, Alabama made the plays that they had to. Look, Carolina still let up a pretty good amount of offensive rebounds in this game. And they were definitely timely offensive rebounds that they were allowing. But, you, you still felt like I, I I was with you. I think just from watching it, even if you don't look at the box score, you feel like you're seeing more from the other guys around Armando Baycott. Look, Armando was dominant yet again today. Um, I think he's gotten back to the point. And again, I I will reiterate this probably for the rest of the season, because if he keeps going the way he's been playing lately, it's going to be, probably the, the the turning point for his year was that, that he needed that week off more than anybody to get healthy, to get his mind right, and it seems like he's in a really good spot right now. But really, you're, you're right. You're seeing everybody else step up. Pete Nance, 10 rebounds today. That's the most he's had this entire season. And there were a couple of times today where – He had stretches where he was dominant on the glass, ripping down rebounds. Um, I I think R.J. Davis, you can't say enough about how good he has been on the glass here lately. Eight more rebounds today. You're seeing a guy that is developing that into part of his game. It's not just a, a, a momentary flash in the pan. No, this is, this is becoming part of what R.J. Davis is going to bring you every time that he is out on the floor. And it wasn't just, you know, he had a big offensive rebound down the stretch of the game. So, I mean, there's so many different things that you're getting from this team that you weren't getting early in the season. And you're right. I think w- w- when everybody else is rebounding better, Armando Baycott is going to rebound better because, look, you can't just focus on, teams just can't say, look, we're we're focusing on making sure that we're taking Armando out of the game because nobody else has the ability to really rebound the basketball all that well. Well, lately here, Carolina is showing that that's not the case. And I mean, to grab 16 offensive rebounds as a team tonight against a team that was as good of a defensive rebounding team really as Carolina has faced all year, it, it, it's... It's hard not to be overly encouraged by that performance. I mean, this was an outstanding showing from Carolina on the glass. There's still some moments that were frustrating. You need to have, you know, especially timeliness of rebounding. I think it's something this this group still has to work on late in the late in the uh, in the game, and especially when you uh, when you have these moments where you defend so well for 28 seconds, they throw up a shot, but then somehow come down with an offensive rebound. Those are the types of situations you have to get better in. But overall you have to be really satisfied with where this team is at uh, because it looks like they're starting to take those steps that they need to on the glass.
1: The biggest reason I think why we're, we're starting to feel satisfied about where this team is and where they're going um, is the play of their, of their stars finally cultivated all together in the same game today. Um, Armando Baycott and, Caleb Love and RJ Davis all score 20 points or more. Um, and they combined for 28, 49. They combined for 71 of Carolina's 89 points in today's game. Um, Caleb Love was only 40% from the field, but RJ was 6 of 13. Armando was 11 of 19. And one of the things that this team has struggled with early on this this year is those three guys all playing well and playing well at the same time. It had been one of the three, or two of the three, and the biggest reason why was you were having to adjust to teams defending you, and there's so much more film and tape on Love and and Davis that they're trying to take those guys away. Um, it's really hard mm-hmm. to take away Armando or take away Armando because of the way that he plays. But that was what was happening, and, you know, I think we've kind of just been waiting for them all to, to play well and, and play well in the same game, and that really happened today. Um, you're you're going to have a hard time showing me a better trio in the country that exists when those three guys play like they played today. Um, there there may be one that is out there, but like I said, you're going to have a hard time showing me that it that, that it does exist. And I think that's going to be something that, you know, for Carolina to get where they ultimately want to get to, which is they want to win an ACC championship. They want to get back to the Final Four and win a national championship. It's going to take a team effort. They're going to need their five starters and three or four guys off the bench. But they need their stars to be stars. And today their stars were stars, and that's the biggest reason why they – they 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 were able to come back against a really solid Ohio State team, secure a, a very big win movement and, and, uh, today. And now the hope and the goal is that this performance from those three guys carries over into Michigan on Wednesday. And if Carolina comes out of that game and they play well and they win and those three guys play well in the process of the victory, we're going to feel a lot better about where this team is entering Christmas. Than we probably thought we would have been, you know, just two weeks ago.
0: You're right. We've been asking for this from them for a while. And, you know, this could have popped up in a game like the other night against the Citadel, in some of the games that Carolina played earlier in the year against, you know, non power conference opponents. But the thing that's encouraging about this is that when they really needed to step it up, in one of their most important games of the season, this group did. This trio stepped up and made the plays that they had to. Um, and, and, again, you, you go back and watch the late possessions of this game and regulation, and Pete Dance, it, his shot is going to be the one that everybody talks about. But these three were really the guys that made the biggest shots to keep Carolina in this game. And give them a chance to win the game in overtime. And even when you go to overtime, they were the guys that pretty much engineered Carolina to the victory in the overtime period. There's no denying that these guys, I mean, look, Armando, just just dominant today. You know, 11 and 19 from the field. Uh, easily the best shooting percentage of anybody on the team, but 28 more points, six and nine at the foul line, which isn't perfect, but is a lot better for him because he's been struggling at the foul stripe this year. And then, I mean, Caleb Love, look, hits timely shots. That looks like like NCAA tournament Caleb Love. If you are at the point, if you still believe that Caleb Love is going to come out on most nights and shoot over 40%, then I don't really know what to tell you. He's proven to you at this point in his career that that just is not going to happen. That's not the player that he is. But what you saw was when Carolina needed important shots from beyond the arc and, and even driving the basket at times, Caleb Love hit the shots that he needed to. RJ Davis was incredibly aggressive. I mentioned he came down with that, that that big offensive rebound where he gets fouled and goes to the line. He was outstanding at the foul line, eight of nine for uh Carolina from the stripe. RJ Davis, just huge, being able to get to the basket, create that's what you ultimately want. And and you saw that when these guys are at at their best, when they're most effective which was late in that second half. Carolina's a tough team to put away in any game. And they have the capability to, if they're in the lead, they would have ran away from Ohio State if they were in the lead. And, look, I, I think you, you go back and look in the first half, the biggest issue that Carolina had was that stretch where they turned the ball over. Uh, four or five times and that short that that short little stretch it allowed Ohio State to stretch that lead out I believe if that stretch does not happen Carolina probably wins this game in regulation and they probably win it by 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 five ten points because they would have been able to pull away from this team but I, I see this is the thing though from this group is that if they can just do this when it comes to the most important games of the season, especially once they get to the NCAA tournament, then you, you can live with that because I, I'm with you. I think it's hard to find a trio that is more effective than this group because of just how you know how much they do at each and every level of the floor when they are on. And they showed that again today. I thought they showed it on the defensive end of the floor as well. I thought all three of these guys defended extremely well. Towards the end of the game, and I, I think you're hoping that this carries over for the rest of the way, and that this can, you know, be, become the normal thing for this group, and they can just dominate everybody moving forward, like we thought, you know, we we could see from them before the season. But at, at the least, you're just hoping this carries over into some of the other big games that Carolina will have in conference play, and. Yeah, to another big game that we'll see on Wednesday night in the Spectrum Center against Michigan.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that. will be the next time that Carolina uh, is back in action, and that will be their final game before they break for roughly nine days um, for the Christmas holiday. Well, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show, but before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where there's an article posted up, right there about the win over Ohio State. Later on, I'll be getting you ready for the matchup with Michigan and much more. As for the football side of things, uh, the news is starting to slow down a little bit. But earlier this week, Carolina did hire a new offensive line and offensive coordinator. Find out who those guys are. uh, And before you know it, we'll be getting you ready for the Holiday Bowl where Carolina meets Oregon. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on every major uh, podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will show up. Where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast, but most importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. Uh, that way, you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels. Get it, he's sweeter than that.